Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Tales of the LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. For the life of this podcast so far, I've been interviewing people that I do not have a real-life day-to-day connection with. These people have been strangers to me, and it's been fantastic learning more about their stories and just initially getting to know people. Today's very different, though, because the topic and the people who we are talking to today are very close to me now. Pride Corner on White began as a three or four week protest for the month of Pride, but it's taken a life of its own and it's become part of my week that I look forward to. It's what stabilizes me. It's what keeps me going and it's fantastic. Today, I'm going to talk to the organizers of Pride Corner on White and discuss what this means to them, the good, the bad, the ugly, and just what keeps it going. Uh, We are five organizers strong. What is it that makes this work so well? And so we're going to talk to Claire and Erica first and then bring in Brian and Aaron later on. Uh, for everyone to share their stories. And it's these stories that keep us going. Before I bring Claire and Erica to the screen though, there are a few things I just want to make mention of. Tales of the LGBTQ Plus is a weekly video and audio podcast that showcases the tremendous, remarkable people within our rainbow community. By listening to our stories, we gain insight, understanding and connection. So every week we connect and be introduced to these people and become smitten. If this is your first time listening to Tales of the LGBTQ+, welcome. Please check our back uh, story. Please check our previous episodes. I'm confident you will find more stories that resonate with you. And if you're a returning, thank you. Please hit subscribe. Uh, here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a comment. Those comments help us with the algorithm, and that helps us so much in making sure that your stories get heard. I'm based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it's important for me to say that I would like to acknowledge that I am on Treaty 6 territory, a traditional meeting grounds, gathering place, and traveling route for the Cree, Salto, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. I acknowledge all of the many First Nations, Métis and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for centuries, especially the knowledge keepers and elders who are still with us today and those who came before. I am opening myself to listen, learn, and understand, and I hope you join me on this journey as well. Pride Corner on White, began earlier this year. For me, it all began in episode three that you can go back and listen to with Claire Perrin. Approximately 20 minutes into the interview, Claire said something that resonated with me. I've been a loud mouth for a while, but I needed to put my loud mouth to action. And this is what I've done is adding my voice. Eight unhoused LGBTQ plus youths committed suicide 
in the 10 months previous to us starting Pride Corner on White. White Avenue is spelled W-H-Y-T-E, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it's a home. It's the main avenue in Edmonton, and this is a place where many of the homeless shelters are. 40 to 45% of unhoused youths in Edmonton are part of our rainbow community. Eight unhoused youths committed suicide. We have to stand up. We did stand up to street preachers, and we wanted to make sure that the unhoused youths knew that there was a community for them to enter. And this is where our organizing team has stepped up and we're building something. So enough of me talking at the moment. Let's bring to our screen uh, two of the organizers who are here right from the beginning. This would be Claire and Erica. Welcome, Hi. ladies. Claire, you are a now a veteran of Tales of the LGBTQ+. Uh, you were episode number three. And during that interview, I told you that this podcast was started because I wanted to know more about you because the last couple of years have been this transformation of this go-getter, this good person, but then you've become Claire and you've become this force and I wanted to know more about it. So to start off with Claire, how has Pride Corner on White changed your life? Oh, that is a great question. Goodness, um, in so many ways, I look forward to Pride Corner every week. There are so many beautiful moments that happen out there and it is, it has truly changed my life so positively. I come home every Friday and I sit in silence and I think about the night and process the afternoon and how things went with the kids and, you know, the dancing and the cha-cha slide and, you know, all these little fun moments that happen throughout the throughout the day and. There are just so many beautiful moments that happen out there, you know, chatting, chatting with Erica last night. It was just talking about how many. I wish that there was something like this when I was a kid. Um, I often hear adults stop by the corner and say that as well. Um, I'm glad there is a place for kids to come out and be themselves and find themselves. And especially in a pandemic, I can't even imagine, um, you know, trying to discover yourself or come out of the closet in this time and trying to meet people. So, um, yeah, there was a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was one youth who said that they came out just before the pandemic started. And then with school going back online and being stuck at home, they felt like all of a sudden they came out and then whoosh back into a closet and then now with pride corner and white they were able to come out and go oh oh i can actually release my energy and myself and it's huge you know uh so claire you're you know everything about when it comes to this and i've known you for a while acquaintances you know always friendly with each other for years you were always out and about and we'd say hi erica 
you just kind of appeared in my world with <laughs> this. And so what is your connection with Claire originally? How did you two meet? Um, so Claire and I met through some other activism work in Edmonton earlier. When was that, Claire? February? February, yeah. January, February. February. Yeah. Um, and we just started chatting. I immediately was drawn to her as many people are and found out she was protesting the preachers and just was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I want to do that too and just showed up one one Friday in March and started going ever since. Yeah. Well, we should also we should go back a little bit and talk about why White Avenue, why the corner of 104th Street and White Avenue, why are we protesting the street preachers? And so I open that question to both of you whoever wants to answer that. Claire, you know Dill best. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we all have answers to that. I think every person walking down the street of White Avenue has an answer to that. Um, if you've ever been in the area, you know that um, straight or not, you're going to be berated. Um, but if you're if you're not straight, it's going to be even worse. Um, the homophobia and the things that come out of their mouths are terrible and awful and inhumane and should be said to nobody. Um, and it's really difficult to get behind that they call themselves such good Christians and they believe that what they're doing is good, but what they're actually doing is killing people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like, <clears throat> I've lived in Edmonton my whole life. Um, you know, Dale has been out on that street corner for 11 years now and i remember walking by him down white avenue with my parents you know my parents would be like don't listen to him or whatever and and just a very negative image of him from being very young and then as i got older and was walking down white avenue with my partner at the time he singled us out and said we're going to hell and you're living in sin and you know, it's one thing for a person who is like, you know, I just laughed it off, whatever, this this, this man saying these things to me, but that's detrimental. It's incredibly harmful for some people to hear something like that, understandably so. And yeah, it's just unacceptable. It has no place in our society anymore. <clears throat> Values and, you know, if you can call them that, that Dale and so many of the creatures possess, it's just, yeah, it's unacceptable and there has to be pushback and that's exactly what this is. And it is a testament to how successful we've been that they don't come. Dale changes his schedule around when we're gonna be there now. So we're doing, yeah, we're doing the thing. Dale is this interesting, and I put interesting in quotation marks when I say that. He's this interesting being because uh, He's a cis white male. He stands on top of a soapbox and people don't generally listen. You know, it's, but the problem is, is that when you have these kids, these youths who have been kicked out of their homes and now they're living on the streets in that area because of the shelters being there, they do hear those words and it, 
not only were they kicked out at home, likely due to religious um, viewpoints, but then they hear this person on the streets as well. And it's just this extra punch in the gut. And mm -hmm. when you're impressionable, it, 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 God, it has to hurt so much. Totally. When you think about the, um, you know, 40 to 45% of unhoused people that do identify as under the rainbow. Um, and that's, that's, that's a stat. That's um, uh, a North, North American stat. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, when you're looking at that number, that's a huge number. And you have to wonder why people are ending up on the streets and why, you know, think about how unhoused queer folks have got there to begin with. You know, coming out of the closet isn't easy for everybody. There was a youth that took a photo for the group photo the other night and said, I cannot be in the photo. I am not out mm -hmm. to my family and they are watching this. They know that I'm here and, and they don't want me to be here. Like that's heartbreaking when you don't have your family support, when you don't have someone that backs you and, and, and believes in who you are and, and telling you that you're wrong and you're impressionable and you're young, you, you believe it. Absolutely. And yeah. when you're so broken down and you, you know, your family has disowned you and you're out on the streets and you know, you, you've been up all night and trying to stay alive and you know it, it kids are taking their own lives and and i think people need to see the bigger picture you know i think sometimes people walking by are are well, how is this a direct correlation mm -hmm. there is absolutely a direct correlation and yeah. if you look at the bigger picture and you and you think about how they got there to begin with and and then and the actual effect that the the negative impact that he has on folks you know um i think if you were doing like a general consensus in edmonton like do you like dale on white <laughs> avenue would you prefer that he get off his soapbox or not like i mean when have people been able to just enjoy themselves you know mm -hmm. yeah let alone let alone the damage that he's doing yeah and this is a major intersection in edmonton that i want to, everyone to know about it's probably the most important intersection because it leads you down the main shopping areas it leads you to downtown it leads you to the south side going towards calgary uh this is not just a small little street uh in the middle of nowhere uh this is high visibility and Dale has been there for a long time, plus others. Plus um, others. Plus others who are part of a church or churches. Although when having conversation with uh, some of them, they'll say that they're not part of a church. And that's part of them uh, not taking responsibility, especially when it comes to uh, the Indigenous children uh, who were found. Um, in those conversations, they said, we're not a religion, so we don't have to say anything about it. And that gets frustrating. What are some of your experiences with um, protesting the street preachers? Are there anything that kind of stands out to both of you? Oh, goodness. Um, I think 
so early on, like some of my earliest memories of showing up and protesting the street preachers, it was volatile. Like I, they were not used to us being there. They were really mad that people were pushing back against them because like we've all said, they've been out there for years with, you know, the occasional passerby probably being like, you know, you shouldn't be here or whatever, but for multiple people with speakers and signs, like they were mad. Um, so yeah, we've had some pretty, uh, yeah, I don't know. We've had some moments with, with some of the street preachers, some than others for sure, who do not um, appreciate our presence. But in the same breath, there have been some really beautiful moments with some of them. Um, and like Claire and I were talking about last night, like I remember a few faces where, you know, we would go out of our way and have long conversations with them about how what they are doing is traumatizing people. Whether they believe it or not, whether they themselves understand religious trauma, on a deep level or not, it is triggering. It is traumatizing to people. And it's not the place. You have institutions specifically for you all to go and discuss these things. It is not right to come into community and do this. And they never come back. Like I've never seen those faces again, whether they registered that um, and took it to heart and realized it I hope. I hope they went home and thought about it. Um, but yeah, all sorts of varying interactions with them from great to not, not so not great. Not so great. Claire, same question. Um, I think, well, I think the body camera has definitely helped. Um, uh, it's, it's sure interesting watching the change of tune when they know that they're being recorded. Um, I think one instance that really stands out for me is um, kind of similar to what Erica was talking about um, with them just realizing that we're not going away. Um, they have been coming out for a long time and they have felt like they have owned these streets. White Avenue is their church. That's, that's what they say. So um, it, I can't remember when it was, but it was, a lot of youth that had just started coming out. I don't know where they had come from. I just... What's that? I think I know which one you're talking about. The trap when we did the Pride Parade. Yeah, that's the one. And I mean, we have rolling protests often, right? I mean, there's times that the the preachers will pick up their speaker, and that's why we got the wagon. That's why we got our speaker, and away we go. You know, um, and we do it safely every time. Uh, the one time. One particular preacher, uh, he has been quite aggressive over over a period of time. He's a he's a big man, mm -hmm. over six feet tall, and um, quite an intimidating person. Um, I've had personal altercations with him myself, but what stood out for me was these youth who were marching down these streets, and you could just see how proud they were and how strong they felt holding these signs and saying, no, you are not going to do this anymore. Yeah. And the look, I remember the look in, des in his face when he realized we're not going away. Yeah, We're here to stay. And yeah. he felt so overwhelmed. He was looking around and, and 
there was one also another time he got into it with um, a youth and he's been getting into it with this particular youth for weeks, not getting into it, but having these discussions, conversations. I should say conversations. Yes. He, and he tries to instigate these conversations and get them, get them talking. And this kid I'm sure is also over six feet tall. And the preacher did not realize that he was and i remember the kid after three or four weeks of going going at it with him and saying you know i'm 16 right he said who's 16 me he was shocked <laughs> you know like like these conversations that he's having with these kids are you know these kids are not stupid they're intellectual smart human beings they know what they're talking about mm -hmm. and and these preachers are surprised that they're getting these, this, uh, not lashback, but you know, people are are not saying that this is a, that we're allowing this anymore. Yeah. And, and we can and we can use the uh, the kid's name because he's got uh, he's given permission. So it's James. Uh, James is going to be a future leader. Well, he already is a leader is. within the community already. He's a remarkable, remarkable person. And I know he's going to listen to this, so don't let it get to your head, okay, James? Um, <laughs> but and and just to add to what you, uh, you were talking about, Claire, this street preacher that we've been talking about, right from the beginning, was violent. I've witnessed Fair. him pushing you into the streets with the cars moving by, like mm -hmm. it was not like when Erica says it was violent at the beginning. Yeah. We weren't prepared for that, you know. It was like, what the heck is going on here? It, it yeah. felt like a wrestling ring. The next thing I see is Claire there. And next thing I see her, it's like a an Irish whip into the ring post. Um, <laughs> if I use rest, wrestling terms, when Claire's being thrown out into the street. It yeah. was remarkable to see and just stunning. Um, but also at the same time, too, it helped fortify us because we're like, whoa, you know, there's something here and we've got to continue. Mm -hmm. um, so how did it start for us like i it just seems like we've been doing this for years now but it was only earlier in the year so claire you've been out protesting these street preachers for years now yourself um i know that after listening to your interview episode three if people want to go back in and check out that episode um you know you've been doing this for years and then we've decided to join you uh how did it feel with strength in numbers that you know people started showing up and supporting you and supporting this initiative i cannot tell you how important strength in numbers are <laughs> lesson learned you know um i'm a very independent stubborn woman i like to do things on my own i do not like what? to ask for help what? this is <laughs> shocking news never <laughs> I'm still working on it, um, but I don't know where was I going with that. I don't know. Well, we're talking about you know the strength in numbers, you know, and then all yes, of a sudden people you. showed up. It was wonderful because, um, you know, it was me against five creatures for a little while, and it was really nice to see people start showing up and. I remember the first person asked her and they showed up with a sign, three words, words you won't miss when you're driving by. 
and and you know they were just such a wonderful wonderful soul and they kept showing up and other people started showing up too like it wasn't like they were just walking by they wanted to come and protest as well and let me tell you how awesome strength in numbers is just it's wonderful um we couldn't do this without numbers yeah yeah you know, we wouldn't be able to have a, a home base and be able to do a rolling protest and, you know, set up on four corners and, um, you know, all those things. I might need to let my dog go. It's all good. Let's introduce the dog here because we've seen the dog as well as heard the dog. So introduce your dog for us. She's deaf. This is Sophia. Eventually, we'll see Sophia. There we go. Live on Tales of the LGBTQ. Please welcome Sophia. <laughs> I'm going to go let her out. Sorry. Sorry. Perfect. So, Erica, you know, we, we met at that time at, at the beginning, and we're kind of like, okay, there's something here. We need to do something. So, why the heck did we do this? Why did we get together to do this? I like, I don't remember anymore. It just seems like we've been doing this for ages. So, you know, like, it does. We're looking at pictures from last night and we're like, was that only like August? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we I, were doing, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we were, we were going to do this for the month of June for pride. And then it just has continued and taken a life mm -hmm. of its own. So like, so why did you get part? Why did you become part of this and why has it continued? um yeah so i think that it was a little like people were really starting to gather i think a little bit before noon like coming mm -hmm. consistently and pride corner was or um pride month was right around the corner so we were like oh we we should um kind of capitalize on this and get the word out more about it because of course that is kind of a heightened time in the year when those lgbtq plus um issues whatever you want to say are more at the forefront um but just like edmontonians i find are are mad about it are mad about the preachers we're all sick of them we don't want to hear about them and more and more people just started coming and more <laughs> and show i would show up on a friday at like five o'clock and i'm like who are these 30 people um and it was amazing and the youth like oh my gosh they were just coming in droves and i don't think that was really anything any of us super anticipated was all of the youth um but it's so powerful to see and invigorating and they're the next generation of frontline activists and it's amazing but um yeah i think we just realized that we needed to make like a concerted effort to be more effective and that's when we made the facebook group um and people started applying like you know wanting to join in the hundreds and it just it sort of took on a life of its own from people upset over this fact but also people realizing that um hi i have a voice and this is a place where i can safely share my voice um and yeah the need was there and so we were like well let's give the people what they want 
Yeah, and it's it's taking a life of its own because no Friday is exactly the same as the other. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything is different, so you have to be flexible and you have to be waiting for it. Uh, sometimes it just ends up being a dance party. Uh, we've got our music, we've got our uh, set list. Um, yes, I'm partial. It's the best music on White Avenue, and people come by just to dance because it's better than the music that they find in the bars. I'm partial <laughs> to it. Um, and sometimes it's just that. It's just community coming together and spending time with each other. Um, we laugh sometimes because we have so many youths. We do call it a teenage nightclub at times because <laughs> we're like, where are all these kids from? And they just they keep multiplying because all of these queer youths are hearing about it and they're coming and meeting each other. And it's just fantastic. And they, the, be the best sound for me is those first few minutes around 4.30 when the kids come together and they haven't seen each other for a week and they hit that high-pitched decibel when they're so excited to see each other and they're like, ee! and they start running from place to place. It's, oh. I thought you were going to say your favorite noise was the exorcism song. Exorcism. <laughs> yes. Uh, Devil, Devil Town by Cave Town, um, which I actually listened by itself. And there's no screaming in that song. It's just a really well-written song. It's really deep. But every All Friday... All the youth know the words, I know the words now. Um, <laughs> but every Friday, the kids request that, and they start screaming out the sounds. And it, yeah, I we call it the exorcism song. And it worked <laughs> because last week the water main broke so i think it's because of weeks and weeks of them doing this exorcism song that caused that water main to break um but yeah and then and then we have the protests and and people are out there to protest and so it is weird the nights when the preachers don't come out because we're there we're there to protest and it's just different all the time mm -hmm. um best moments what have been the best moments so far with pride corner on white i think oh, we're so canadian um i think um for me it's the friendships the friendships the relationships that are being built there we have seen like actual relationships form out there and beautiful couples be made and you know platonic friendships and relationships that are just beautiful and supportive and encouraging every week every week these youth are introducing themselves to each other yeah. and making new friends and mm -hmm. they're remembering how it feels to be the first person on pride or the, the their first time on pride corner and they're supportive and encouraging to those other people and i think it's the relationships for me Mm -hmm. I think, um, and this was a little bit earlier on, but this was when I knew we were on the right track in, in doing what needs to be done when the first person crossed the street while we were all out there. And, the, and this is when the preacher had more of a presence the entire time we were there. But this person came up and he looked directly in my eyes and said, thank you for making me feel safer on this corner. And yeah, that was a big moment because 
I was like, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly why we do this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with with what both of you said. Um, the friendships, the connections, and I look at the unhoused kids who've become part of our community, and um, a couple of them are now housed again, but for a few months they were not. And every Friday was the mo was the time where they could come and be safe and get water and get food and grab those connections and um with our one who continually uh, comes community and knowing that they have a voice and it's interesting as we watch them gain their voice you know it's just fantastic um one of my favorite moments is uh an adult who um, uses they, them as pronouns. And um, the first time we could see them across the street and at a bus stop, and we knew that there was interest in them wanting to come over, but they could not, uh, stress, anxiety, uh, what have you. And then slowly but surely, this person over the weeks did arrive and now they're integral you know even though we all acknowledge that we ourselves have stress and anxiety they're now actively protesting against the street preachers who do come and it's just this transformation of this person oh and that's just that support and being there as part of a group and oh it's just remarkable you're right doug that confidence that you're talking about we have seen in many folks that have come out and are, that keep showing up and it is really one of the most enjoyable things to experience and and witness um yeah this person has just lit up the corner and you know seeing them march down the street the other day holding that sign was just so empowering yeah and and doing it by themselves too you know we not even realizing there was a preacher there and they grabbed the sign and went and protested it them themselves. This it was, was just, by the way, we don't, we don't necessarily let youth just wander off and protest street exactly. preachers on their own FYI. Yeah. An adult and just remarkable just to see that. And there was that moment when you kind of look at each other and go, what? Yeah. And I, we can swear on this one. I was like, what the fuck? This is just brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just, you know, so we, we there's so many good moments there. But, you know, what are some of those moments that stand out to you for the negative or the disappointing or just things that just stick in your mind just for, ah, oh, I can't believe that happened. Mm. I have one three letter word that comes to mind. <laughs> oh, what what three letter word would that be? Hmm? <laughs> His name is Dan and uh, oh goodness heck, I thought we had our hands full with the, with the preachers we were dealing with for the first portion until, you know, however long ago, what, four months ago when he started showing up. Um, and now that that's now like, eh, the, the street preachers from before are nothing. A hundred percent. It feels like, like minuscule what what we were dealing with before as to what we are dealing with now with these this new set of preachers that have come around and safety is of utmost importance um and we have 
eyes out all over the place just because <laughs> we've learned that these preachers, some of these preachers are not out to preach. No. They actually do not have Christianity in their heart whatsoever. Yeah. Dan, Dan is a wannabe cult leader. Uh, and I hate saying his name out loud, but, you know, you have to name to uh, mention. Uh, he brings with him a camera person who is a known white supremacist uh, within the mm -hmm. province. Uh, so this is what we're dealing with. Uh, they don't show up every week, uh, every second or third week. Uh, but when they, when they do, it's exhausting. It's frustrating um, because, as you mentioned, Claire, there's no preaching involved. That They're blaming and they're provoking and wanting confrontation because that feeds their cult-like status as they try to create whatever it is that he's trying to do. And their ego, like the ego of some of these people. And as someone who was Christian for a very long time, um, undoubtedly the most dangerous Christians um, are the ones that say, I love you. Yeah. I love you so much. I am for you. I support you because there is such a staunch, they think that they are so progressive within their own religious indoctrination that they don't listen to nothing, to nobody. They will not take ownership for any of their actions. Um, they think they're there. They've arrived at all of these conclusions that we could ever, you know, they they love us and in that deep love they want to destroy us um and that's the most dangerous the i'd rather have a dale where you know what you're getting who isn't trying to you know be around the bush and and try and make you feel this false sense of security in this in this weird twisted backwards way like those are the most disheartening moments um, is when you're just bashing your head against a wall, trying to get through to these people, trying to explain in kindergarten layman's terms how deeply traumatizing what they are doing is and they don't care. Yeah. There is not a care. They don't care about those suicide rates. They don't care about traumatizing people and that is dangerous that is very dangerous so those are easily i'm sure for all of us across the board the the worst moments yeah absolutely it's that you never know what's coming and so to this point and all that we've handled it as well as we can um you know we do the best we can we shield the youth who come out as much as possible and i guess the one thing i'll put out here to people who are going to be listening is um, at the beginning, we did have a lot of adults who came to Pride Corner, um, adults who came with their kids. And now we don't have those adults as much, but we do have their kids, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, but it does make protesting difficult when you have a smaller group of adults um, because we need to be in multiple places. Plus, we also need to take care of the kids who aren't there to be activists. They're there to see their friends, they're there to uh, dance. 
Um, so I would love for adults and parents to uh, come back out and not just uh, not just go, hey, Claire, Erica, Brian, Aaron, you're doing a great job, fantastic. Um, please make sure my kid gets home in four hours. It's it's okay, but we need those parents and adults out here as well. At like five or six kids, it wasn't so bad. But at yeah. like 35, 40 kids, like <laughs> I'm like, where's the roll call? <laughs> There was there was that moment we were on live on uh, for you, Claire, and I'm. It was like it's eleven o'clock. I don't know who these kids are, but they're with us. Come get your kids, you know. And and at the end of the night, we ended up going later all the time because we needed to make sure that they had rides home, and we needed to make sure that they had safe places to go. And sometimes it took a long time to make sure that they had places. So we ended up going from three to four hours to six to eight hours, just ensuring that these kids got home. And and that's something that like organizers do do, you know, Aaron is one of the last people on, on set, on set every night, you know, um, there's not one kid that we leave there. We're never packing up the wagons and saying, see you later. Yeah. You know, each and every person, each and every child has gotten home or has gotten to a safe location or has been, um, they've made it home taken they've care of as best as possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, final question for both of you before we bring Brian and Aaron into this. Um, and I'll start with you, Erica, first, the same question will go to you afterwards, Claire. What does pride corner on white mean to you today? <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, it is, it's one of those things that I'm going to look back on when I'm old and um, know that this is one of the most meaningful things that I could be doing with my time and my energy. Um, it means a lot because not only is it a big intersection of frontline activism that I love, but it is creating a future that I want to see. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to. <laughs> um, if you, if yeah. you do, bring a close up because we love to see the solitary tears on our screen. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's it's building the future that I want to see. So it is incredibly meaningful um, and it helps me find myself yeah. and I see other people blossoming. And that is just the most beautiful thing that we could ever want or see, I think, in today's society. So very important. Yeah, I think for me, it's similar to what Erica said, you know, this, this world is what we're leaving for the kids in the future. And, you know, even though I'm not having any myself, these kids out, out on these streets are, are going to be the ones that are going to be here and our future leaders. And if, if we're not leading the way in some sort of positive manner and, and guiding that, you know, what are we doing? So I'm really glad that it, it's turned into what it has. Yeah. It depends upon the week and what it means to me, you know, but it is everything. It's the end of the week. 
Um, but I look forward to spending that time out there and, you know, when people smile when we see each other and we say goodbye. And, you know, after having this pandemic for the last year and a half and being away from people, just knowing that there's these incredible people out there and they're just learning and being able to help shape that, it's incredible. But I'll be completely selfish with this answer. I needed this. Uh, I needed this for myself and I'm at a more advanced age compared to other people who show up there. I'm 46 and I'm comfortable with my life. You know, I've spent my life uh, finding a chosen family, but in that I did go into the stereotypes and that most of my time over the last five years were spent with guys, with male friends, uh, a bear cub community. Um, and this is after spending my life mostly surrounded by strong women, but I did go into the stereotype of being surrounded by men and learning from them. And this has just allowed me to open up and go, oh, I've been in a silo for so long and there's more and uh, it just is everything. Uh, it just... Honestly, Doug, it warms my heart to see you out there with those kids. Like, you just light up. You really do. You just lead the way in this just beautiful. Everyone looks up to you. Everyone does out there, and you are such a, a natural leader. And you make it so fun. And you make it educational. And that might be the teacher in you, but yeah, you do, a, a, great, you do a, a great job. It's a teacher. And thank you. I, I don't necessarily believe everything you said. <laughs> I understand it. But, uh, you know, just music wise, uh, you have to teach the kids. Like in the 80s, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Bronski Beats. Those were huge songs because those were out songs uh, led by queer singers. And so you throw that into the music list. And then two weeks later, one of the kids will come up and say, what's that song when they tell us to relax? Can you play that? And I'm like, yes, yes, we can. Mm -hmm. And then they come up and say, hey, can you play George Michael's Careless Whisper? And I'm like, I'm all for the saxophone. So uh, I'm never going to give you up. That's a good one. Right? Like, and there's one kid um, who comes and asks for Earth, Wind and Fire. Like, oh, come on. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, Claire, Erica, thank you for being here on this first part of Tales of the LGBTQ+. I'm going to bring Brian and Aaron onto the screen. So we'll have a quick kiki as we're like, yeah, hi, how are you? We just saw you 12 hours ago. And then, <laughs> and then we'll say goodbye for now for both of you, okay? Okay. Great. So here's a thank you, Claire. Thank you, Erica. Thank Let's, you. Thank you. Uh, next on to our screen are two organizers who came on after the original gangsters, the original OGs of uh, Claire, Erica, myself. Uh, we should also mention here, we did have another organizer at the time, uh, Svi, who was remarkable uh, in so many ways and brought a viewpoint. Uh, they're no longer part of the team, uh, which is just the way it happens, and that's fine. Um, but definitely want to acknowledge everything that Svi did because as a group of four um the originals we all did well and so uh major 
uh, clink of the glass for sure. Um, so Brian and Aaron have joined us. We have brought Brian Deacon to the screen. And now we're going to bring Aaron, our latest organizer, to the screen as well. Welcome, Brian and Aaron, to your official debuts here on Tales of the LGBTQ+. Hello. Hi. Hi, friends. Welcome, hello. <laughs> so happy to be here. So, Claire and Erica, before you go and everything, can you tell us just a little bit about Aaron and Brian and what they bring to the team? Rants and raves, rants and raves. <laughs> like, shoes. Yeah, like, like Aaron is just an amazing human. Um, they, she has been a part of Pride Corner for not a long time, but it feels like she has been for a very long time. Um, she is a big part of, of making those kids feel safe. And um, there's a lot of trust that those kids have within Aaron, um, which is really big. And uh, Aaron has a big part in this community as well as has a huge heart for the unhoused community, is a team leader on Water Warriors. Rants and raves, rants and raves. And she, and we, we do laugh about the dads and the moms and all that. And yes, I've been called a dad, but I don't like that term because in the bear community, I'm known kind of as a daddy, which brings a different interpretation. So when I hear dad, it's like, oh God, no, ah. let's not do that. Uh, but I will say this here, Erin is a true mom. She is, she is that mothering figure that takes care of everybody. And that's <laughs> thrilling. Uh, and, what about this Brian here? Um, Precious Brian. So he might seem like he's just this quiet, you know, docile, friendly little. Get him in front of you shall not be named. Uh, whole different Brian. Brian, yeah, it's like such a solid person um someone always safe like for me personally someone always safe that i know i can go to if having a moment um yeah we're really grateful to have brian and all of the little logistical things that none of us are maybe that good at brian does it and we super appreciate that and he's kind and he's loving and he's funny as heck and he does not give himself near enough credit as he deserves. Yeah, can we not, maybe, not, maybe not praise him as much considering <laughs> I've known him for over 10 years. I have to put him in his place a little bit. <laughs> oh, he's lovely. We appreciate him. Perfect. All right, Claire, Erica, we're going to say goodbye to you as we transfer over to Aaron and Brian. Looking Bye. forward to watching. Much love. Love you. Bye. Bye. So we've now transferred over to have two of our more recent organizers, Brian and Aaron. Uh, as I mentioned before, welcome for your debuts here on Tales of the LGBTQ+. How's it going for both of you today? Not it's early. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, Erica and Claire both said some things about both of you uh, with this transfer over. Remarkable words because they're the truth. Uh, and yes, Brian and I have known each other for a long time. We're really good friends. I give him a hard time. But Brian, this has been a fantastic 
experience doing this with you because there's been this transformation in you. Just yes, you're quiet and docile and but you're not out there. You this is a passion for you and I see it each and every week. And so put into words, what does Pride Corner on White on White mean for you, Brian? Oh, well, I was expecting this question. Um, so for me, it's just, um, I started helping because of you, because you were doing it. Um, you said to come down once, and I figured I can do that. Um, and then just, it means just seeing hope for the future, seeing that hatred doesn't belong in Edmonton or anywhere in the world, and that we belong. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It's been remarkable. And I can say this, just, you know, a right hand person, you know, a lot of our, you know, the ebbs and flows and all that it's myself. And then there's you. And many times I've had to do your speaking, you know, in the past in many ways. And we say that jokingly and lovingly, but uh, this is something completely different because you're out there and you're speaking and you're doing those things and you're not nudging me forward to do it. And so what, how has this explosion within you happened? Because this is something I not did not expect, but good lord, it's great. I'm not entirely sure. I'm thinking probably from being locked up with COVID, like having quarantined like four times from work, um, not being able to be around people. Sorry, cats. you've got a cat. Yes. Um, it just I I don't actually know because it's weird for me. I'm not like this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you are the first person or one of the first people to grab us one of the smaller speakers and uh, go protest uh, street preachers. Your go-to thought song is Lily Allen's uh, Fuck you. Fuck you, which it's like, gosh, Brian, shocking in itself. And then, so you came aboard uh, in officially July, August, there was kind of that, okay, he's part of us, we're not getting rid of him. We're going to talk about the change.org here in a little bit. But Aaron, I'm bringing you in here too, because as was mentioned, it seems like you've been with us forever. But it, it, when we look back, it, it's not a long, long time, but you've, you've just been there. So why is this important to you for being part of Pride Corner on White? Uh, for me, I found for a long time, you know, I've, I've been in the rave scene for years from the 90s, and I've always had a soft spot in my heart. I am an ally myself, um, and I've always had a soft spot for the gay community and the struggles that they, you know, face just trying to be themselves and be accepted um, through COVID. You know, obviously, Brian had spoke of the isolation and whatnot. You know, my life changed dramatically, as many people's has. And so I sort of watched online it organically happened and sort of try to understand like the bystanders that walk by where they're like we don't really see why this is happening like both sides have the right to exist but they don't really see what the preachers are saying because they sort of go by really fast and ignore them so to be able to understand a little bit and watch on social media and see and then i'm like you know what i'm gonna make it down there i'm gonna make this a priority and i'm gonna go and so i just went one friday i had a blast obviously you know, I don't even really remember the first Friday that I went, if there was preachers or not. I think that there must have been maybe, but, 
you know, I said, I'm going to go back and probably by about week three or week four, you know, Claire came and scooped me right up and, and it wasn't even really a discussion. I mean, I kind of got bombarded. Everybody just short, short around me and said, you know, we really need some adults. And I think that you fit the bill and, you know, we really enjoy your presence here and the kids love you. And like, can you help us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we didn't really realize that we needed that type of help. Uh, we didn't realize that we needed you until you appeared. And then we're like, when you naturally helped and you naturally uh, stood in the way and to protect and to help. And just by observing, we're like, oh, who is this force of nature that's just entered into the area? Um, so for both you and Brian, uh, so Brian and Aaron, have you always been activists or is this something that's brand new? This is very new for me. Um, I was trying to think Claire and I went down to actually protest some stuff in Calgary recently that's been going on. And, you know, we had, we didn't even turn on our radio. We talked for six hours, three hours there and three hours back. And, um, you know, I sort of thought of the first thing that I ever protested and, I think it would have been in 2001 and it was the come together rally for the rave scene at the time. And it was changing because a lot of youth, I mean, our youth was, my youth was different. We were allowed to have clubs when we were underage. There were places for kids to go and to, you know, have a community feel and grow together. And then, you know, it sort of transpired then when we had COVID and obviously George Floyd and you start to see more issues. I think one of the positives of COVID is that we were able to actually look what was happening in the world and sort of say, I'm going to stand up to this. This is not right. Right. So then I went to some um, Black Lives Matters. I went through some car convoys. You know, again, I'm very COVID friendly. Everybody on the corner knows this. I wear my mask. I spray out sanitizer. You know, I try to keep everybody safe um, and aware of we're still in a pandemic. And so to be able to come out and see those people and help them, I think, has been very valuable to me. Yeah, there was something in that yeast in the bread that everybody was making at the beginning of the pandemic. Because it, it was all those starters, right? Yeah, it, there was something thrown in as an extra ingredient because I, I, I was a loudmouth always, and yep, yeah, always had my heart on my sleeve and tried my best. But I wouldn't have been an activist if it wasn't for the past year. Uh, Brian, I think what if you look as at an activist, right? Like now that once you sort of get the the taste for it, you want to do more, right? Like, again, Claire was talking about, you know, me being a team lead and we're working with the unhoused and then to even go down to Calgary to work with Pride Corner to do all these things, you know, even with the women's clinic, we've been going out, mm -hmm. you know, Erica and Claire really inspired me to be able to use my voice and use it to help other people understand the struggles that others go through being an activist could be a full-time position just because there's oh, so much that needs to be done and until you get into the trenches you, you don't realize just what's falling through the cracks uh things that we take for granted and we think oh yes it's being done but it's not and i'm still waiting for that george soros money to come in for all those activists who've been out there for the last two years i would love some of that money for being activists <laughs> hey brian i i know this answer as well but uh what about yourself as an activist? This is pretty new for me. Um, I would do certain things like through work and all that um, for various jobs, but this is pretty new. It's been 
fun and terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that because, you know, other than Claire and maybe a little bit with Erica, none of us understand what being an activist is until now. We're learning this as we go along. And so what brings you out week after week? What are those best moments that you've experienced so far? Uh, just seeing the people there supporting us um, when we talk about the other the petition later that as well that support brings me out knowing that people support us and that we yeah and that we belong for me it's having conversations with some of the passer buyers you know to be able to give them some insight you know everything happens really fast i'm sure a lot of the people that may watch this podcast have seen they're driving by they're like why are there all these rainbow people what's happening i don't understand there's some pushback they have signs in people's faces like you know the the preachers are just trying to exist and do what they want to do but when you actually are able to like i had a conversation with a woman who does believe in God. And we sat on the side, you know, across from Pride Corner and talked about it for probably about 30 minutes. And then they be they were able to begin to listen to what these preachers were saying and how you ha can't have a conversation with them. Like, you know, Erica referenced, it's like banging your head against a wall and they just want to say, well, I love you. I love you. I love you. Well, why do you hate me? Well, because I don't love you doesn't mean that I hate you, but there's no there's no one way with them, right? So it becomes difficult. And to be able to see this woman begin to understand that all of us were not against God and religion. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously religion has faced a lot of issues via residential schools and whatnot, but if you wanna believe in God, that's not the problem, right? Mm -hmm. It's the problem that you're using God to advance hate. And that's where the issue lies. And that's what we stand up against. It's homophobia wrapped up in Bible quotes. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's hard. It's, you know, I, I did not grow up in a religious family. Um, I have faith in something. I do believe God that probably looks very much like Alanis Morissette. And I'm very good with that. Uh, and I don't say it jokingly. It's just I... God is a woman to me and um, but I have faith, you know, and there's aspects that I believe in and I understand. And so it's it's a difficult process for sure, but it's important for us to be out there. Brian mentioned here that, you know, I asked him if he wanted to come out and probably told him uh, in my way to come out as well. And Brian being a diligent friend, follow along. Um, but then all of a sudden, Brian, you created a change.org uh, for the corner uh, to have it changed of its name uh, to Pride Corner. And you started that. Uh, before we go into the numbers of people who signed that change.org, uh, why was that important for you to set up and do? Well, just showing that um, because with, with being on Pride Corner, hearing people drive by honk and all that just to get it on paper that people support this and people want this. People don't want the preacher spouting their hatred all over the place. Um, you started this, how many uh, people have signed it approximately? Um, actually, I just looked, it was 10,511. That's brilliant. And that's also worldwide as well, because I've had people from the US, England, everywhere sign it, yeah. not, just Al not just Edmonton or Alberta. Yeah, and you and you're our Twitter person. Uh, so, who are some of those um, personalities who have um, talked about Pride Corner on their Twitter sites as well as their other social media? 
Well, we have uh, Janice Irwin, the wonderful MLA, MLG, sorry. Um, Michael Jams, newly elected city councilor for Edmonton. Mm -hmm. um, we've had uh, Jan Arden has liked our tweets. We've had Katie Lang like our tweets. The first openly gay WHL player, Luke Prokop, like our tweets. Mm -hmm. It's and he retweeted it as well. Uh, Andrew Ference, former captain of the Oilers, mm -hmm. that one hockey team that that someone likes with McJesus. You, yeah, <laughs> Brian is Brian is pointing towards this creepy mannequin that's behind him. That's his house. Blue flames. Well, no, that, those are the maple leaves on him. Yes, yes, my God. Yes. So Brian has never but actually. It has a tutu. <laughs> <laughs> For our visual watchers, you can see a, uh, a mannequin from the bay with a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey and a tutu. Welcome to the life of Brian. <laughs> so this change.org, but and then during this time, it, it became more. And, you know, this change.org was something that, you know, online, you've got your personality that's displayed online all the time. And then it's coming to person. There's the good parts of it, of course, talking to people. What are some of the challenges uh, that you've seen out there or some, some things that stand out to you and you're like, how the heck did that happen? He who should not be named. <laughs> I'm not a violent person. I don't usually want to punch people in the face. He just brings that out. It's like I won't because I'm not a that type of person, but it's just like dealing with him is just – it's rough he's a he's a wannabe cult leader yeah there's he and he wants to invade the safe space he wants to talk to the, the youth. youth that's all and he wants to do. he doesn't want to talk to any of us just nope. the youth. he just wants to talk to youth it's creepy uh so i can understand with what you're saying with he who shall not be named although we named him about 25 yes. minutes ago earlier <laughs> but he, it's interesting and then we'll never know with this you know will there be another person like him you know, we there were others who are part of his church who came out, but um, we have eliminated them from coming out um, just by discussion and conversation. I, I, I miss Chloe. <laughs> Aaron was not around for Chloe. Um, Chloe will be back one day, perhaps. Um, but so will the Pride community who have receipts. Uh, Claire was quite shocked, actually, when I first arrived, because she'd be like, oh, Dale this and Dale that. And I said, you know, I don't even think I've met Dale. And she goes, you've never met him? I'm like, well, I just started. And then we, you know, reference another one. And I'm like, which one? You know, I, I'm learning now as I go. And, and I've been here for he who shall not be named. And, <laughs> you know, it's quite weird. You know, we referenced earlier that he comes with a cameraman and he walks up and he, he knows what he's doing oh, when he approaches the corner. The, the white supremacist cameraman. Yeah, the white yes. supremacist. Yes, with the white supremacist cameraman. And they come to literally antagonize, not us, not the adults, the youth. They will go to directly to them or even, and I will mention, I don't think this person will necessarily mind, but they went to Gary. And Gary... Mm -hmm is a member of the united church and had a sign out which gary always does he comes weekly and dan eyeballed him and went straight to him and started to just and gary is sweet as a butterfly so yeah. and they were nose to nose na 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 just because 
Dan shows up to antagonize people. Yep. He wants that ego fed. So well, he also wants to catch on camera us doing something like yeah, antagonizing yeah. him to get someone mm -hmm. to hit him. Yeah, so he yeah, can make definitely. us look bad. Well, and I didn't talk about it with Claire there, but Claire is a subject of interest for um, these churchgoers, um, white supremacists, um, because she is an activist and she does her job extremely well. And so there's instances of doxing and attempts to uh, make her look bad. And so I know our role is to protect and that's one thing that Aaron that you do so well. Um, you know, if I can't find Claire, I look for you, Aaron, and I know that Claire will be close by. Uh, <laughs> so I'm able to find her at all times. So that's a that's a really good thing. Just mentioning Dale a little bit. I, Dale, he is who he is, and he's problematic. Um, compared to all the other street preachers, I don't mind him as much. Uh, I've had conversations with him. I remember clearly one incident when a passerby got into an argument with Dale and threw him to the ground. Dale's, threw Dale to the ground? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. From, and Dale's minions did nothing, but it was myself and Claire who ran over and helped and him, pick up. him up. And Dale was not happy with that. And he yelled at us, those type of things. But then the very next week he came and seeked me out and thanked me for helping him. And he recognized um, that we were there to also to protect him, which was, is this weird interplay that takes place that, yes, we're there to protest Dale, but we're also there protecting him as well. And it's very strange. But I think we're there as decent human beings and we don't want to bring, you know, injury or aggression or fighting to anybody, right? We are there to you know, make everybody feel safe, including Dale, the person that we are counter protesting, right? Because I mean, even last week there was a fellow and he was talking about, hey, well, if you don't love somebody, you know, back to the I love you, I love you, I love you. But if you don't love somebody, like what happens if there's a blind man in the street, are you not gonna go grab him? I love him, so I'm gonna save him because he's gonna get hit by a car. And I said, well, I can do that because I'm a decent human being. Yeah. Doug can pick Dale up because he's a decent human being, right? Where are all of Dale's minions to help him they're probably not decent human beings because they're over there trying to tell somebody to change their life for a different agenda. Yeah. Well, in this case, they just stared at Dale on the ground and did nothing. And so that was like that. Are you not? Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to do this and I'm going to dust him off and make sure that he's okay. Uh, Dale was missing. I mean, he's old and fragile. He might break a hip falling off that soapbox. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Dale was missing for three or four weeks. Uh, he says it wasn't due to COVID but you know his symptoms that he described to us are covid symptoms and he was extremely sick and you know when we were having that conversation if claire was involved in that it was all about are you doing okay you know we don't want you to die we don't want you to be feeling ill and just from that conversation there was just that moment in dale's eyes where that human came back and i've seen that ever since vulnerable. That, yeah so vulnerable and you know he's adjusted his time so he's not around um i see it as somewhat respectful that when he does see us arrive on fridays he does pack up and leave um partly that's because you know he doesn't want to deal with 
what we bring, but also it's that look that he gives and going, you did me good. Uh, and so I'm going to take myself and leave. And so I have this weird connection with Dale that I don't understand. And it it's hard to figure out. I don't like him, but I will respect him as a person and I'll protect him whenever possible. Yeah. So Brian, you've done this change.org. You're doing Twitter. You're out there um, being this force, you know, trying not to get into fights and things like that, you know, which, you know, I, as you being such a strong person who's has so much anger within you, I say that all with quotation marks because he doesn't, he's quite docile. Um, how has Pride Corner changed you? Uh, it's brought me out of my shell quite a bit, which is a good thing. Uh, has m let me know that I can also deal with my anger and not lash out at people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just chase them down with speakers. Just speakers while playing Lily Allen's Fuck You, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or and, now, and, and now, don't pray the gay away. Don't pray the gay away. And as we always do, whenever one of the preachers leaves, uh, we play certain songs and another one bites the dust. And going back to Dale, Dale always goes, I'm leaving now. Are you going to play the song? And then it's always a dun, dun, dun. So he understands he's he's involved in it. And it's these players upon the stage. It's So yeah, so I see it, Brian. And I we joke with each other and kind of the older brother, younger brother dynamic that we have. I have to put you in your place at all times. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> Before doing this activism, the only charity I ever tried to do in my okay. life was taking care of Brian. <laughs> so, you know, but it's changed in so many different ways. And I notice it. And it's just incredible. And it's just, and it's changed the dynamic of our friendship, though, because it keep it makes us more equal in many ways, you know, and it's just fantastic so yeah you won't hear this a lot you've been here seeing it in facebook chats and stuff like that but i'll praise you publicly i'm really proud of you like really proud of you and we cried god damn it <laughs> no it's uh i've known you for a long time and um when misfits find each other and misfits being myself as well when we find each other um you got to hold on to each other and at some point what we see in each other, it blossoms. And I do see it this past year, Brian. So, and in other words, that's the last time I will ever praise Brian Deacon. But it will now forever be online. At least it's on tape. Yep. It's on tape. Aaron, you know, you've talked about uh, joining Pride Corner, Water Warriors, yay. Have you noticed a change within yourself in the last two months itself? Or is this something that's just opening up right now and you're still figuring things out? Um, I've always been somebody who's been quite self-aware and proud of who I am. I've always kind of, you know, been a little different thread within the woven fabric of society. Um, you know, I, I think that COVID just kind of shut everything down for me. I know I keep referencing COVID, but it just kind of, and then you sort of take those times in your life to be like, 
what am I doing? Like, I'm a hairstylist by trade. I've been a hairstylist since I was, you know, doing a shampoo girl at 12 years old. You know, my life had been really consistent for like 30 years, not a whole lot changed, right? So I'm just like, what am I doing? And, you know, to be able to watch the youth on the corner and see them be able to blossom into you know just really good people there already are good people and it sort of hurts my heart in one sense to see that sometimes maybe their their parents struggle with them you know I'm, I'm very close with one youth on the corner we know this and they were struggling a little bit um with their family life and they're just an amazing youth so i just want to be like your kid's so cool like please just let them be themselves you know and and let them develop their own sense because this is the future we literally see the future i mean we had a little bit of an emergency on the corner yesterday mm -hmm. and there was you know we've never talked about an emergency plan we've never even gone through i mean all of us five organizers have never even really thought that we needed to have this sort of thing in place and and a woman on white avenue fell down and went unconscious and the youth came over to me i was able to go you know initially we thought it was a poisoning which is in tune with what we do with water warriors um for people who don't know what a poisoning is it's previously known as an overdose you know so we were ready with nanoxylin kits i was able to get her awake we didn't have to use the nanoxylin kit she was just unconscious um you know but the youth put their flags around me and i was talking to this woman down on the street and and i said you know the rainbow rescue rangers are here and we're here to take care of you and she smiled and she was just so happy and it's it's one of the passerbyers that goes weekly and you know i wave to her and we try to be inclusive to everyone well, not try we are inclusive to everybody you know including the unhoused and and once i realized who this woman was i said oh my god i see her weekly like where like what happened you know and we were able to all get an ambulance called get what we needed without even pre-planning this yeah. you know like these youth are very responsible and they want to take care of each other and we're just you know guides along their way to help them be better people and yeah. be the people that they are so we're really yeah, it, proud of that it was an incredible moment um it could have been far far worse it was a, a good ending uh but when this happened uh, of course, it shook a lot of people because we did think it was a poisoning. It's time for you to back away, uh, give space. People, listen, music shut down. People went into their groups. They were respectful of space. Uh, one of the youths phoned uh, 911. Mm -hmm. uh, there were youths that were helping me with traffic. Um, I just when you saw that there last night, I was just stunned and amazed that, as you said, we had never planned for something like this before, but everybody fell into these natural roles, including the youths. Um, mm -hmm. And just by listening it, and for them just saying, okay, we need to back away now, just incredible. And for this person who um, passed out and we think we know what, could have happened, but um, it was the best place for them to. Have you couldn't have picked a better temporary corner because we weren't actually at our regular corner. We were down a block. We've had a water main break. So we were actually in a different location. And yeah, they couldn't have picked a better corner to go down on. That's for sure. Yeah, it just, it, it perfect. It was meant to be, uh, just absolutely meant to be. You know, as we wrap up here today, um, 
this conversation, I wanted to make sure that we did a podcast just to share some experiences. And there's so much that we could say about Pride Corner. I go back to it. Every week is something different. You never know what to expect going down. So you have to be prepared at all times. Uh, I've taken on a role uh, that's comfortable for me. Um, I've realized I don't feel comfortable uh, protesting some of the preachers. Uh, some of the preachers are newcomers to Canada. Unless it's a dance circle then, Doug. Yeah, then that's just it. And that works different. Um, but some of the new uh, preachers are newcomers to Canada. And I have spent my adult life uh, working on the language uh, for newcomers to Canada and giving them voice. And so I've had this weird, strange going, ah, um, you know, I'm submit, I'm pushing down their speech. And so I don't feel comfortable in ways, but so I found different ways that I can contribute. And Brian, you have found your ways and Aaron, you found your ways. And um, we just ask others that um, if you're interested in coming down to Pride Corner on White, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, Instagram, find out more information. Fridays, beginning around 4.30, we begin. Um, we used to go for however long we want, uh, but we are trying to narrow it down a little bit because White Avenue can be dangerous at a, after a certain point in time. It's getting cold. Um, so dress warmly when you come down. I still have to believe that because I'm still thinking that my fat will comfort me, but then I hit a certain point of the night where I'm chilled to the bone. So uh, Mama Erin is telling us to wear better clothes and that I will. So for both of you, what does Pride Corner on White mean to you? I'm waiting we'll for Brian. No, I'm going to let you go first. Um, when you had asked this question to Claire and Erica, you know, the one word, if I could sum it up in one, which might be a cliche word, it is going to be community, you know again to reference this youth you know they were unhoused at the time and they rolled around the corner and they went these are my people like mm -hmm. these are my people so to be able to just have a space where we can all come together you know people who are under the rainbow allies of people who are under the rainbow you know support in numbers right we need all the people there to be able to fight not only the hatred here but hatred across the world right so you know if you're worried about coming down or think that you don't belong or you know even myself as an ally i'm like where do i fit into this puzzle piece of the war of pride corner but there's a place for everybody right you don't have to fit a certain mold the community yes. that is here is with open arms and we want you to be a part of it brian just to add on to that, finding your chosen family at Pride Corner. Mm -hmm. Seeing all the youths who are making friends and all that, they're finding their chosen family. Also just want to give a thank to whoever nominated us for a certain award that we won and that everyone on Pride Corner, whoever comes and protests, hangs out, it's all because of you. You are part of it, of the Rarican, Rarican now Stonewall Keeping a Safe Award. We didn't know we were nominated for the no. award and then we heard that we had won this award, a, a Rarica now Stonewall Award, just, you know, we're not out there to receive awards, but no. it was a great boost of energy to recognize, to be recognized that we're doing something good. 
and to have somebody on the outside looking in uh, recognize that it's it was so nice when we won that award i just want to say it warmed my heart doug when you did your speech and a lot of people may not understand the value in the word, word or, or the person that was the Stonewall. Um, and when you had asked the youth and I looked across and almost unanimously, they all shook their heads, yes. I mean, myself, I wasn't aware of the what Stonewall represented until Pride Parade a couple of years ago when it was barricaded and stopped from happening. And then you begin to look into the history of why we actually have Pride and Pride Parades and are out and proud. So to see the youth of the future know that history was just such a valid moment to really warm to my heart. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I was actually stunned just that it was near unanimous. I was uh, expecting them to shake their head no and for us to go into a little history lesson. Yeah, I was ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was ready for it. As people know that I'll just, you know, tell me to speak and I'll think of something on that spot. But, you know, Stonewall means a lot. You know, it's mm -hmm. where we fought back. And oh, uh, in a future episode of Tales of the LGBTQ+, um, I'm building towards this where I get to talk to somebody who led our community uh, North America wide before Stonewall. Uh, and when you look in the history books, his name is there. Uh, I'm building towards that uh, simply because I'm not an interviewer by trade, as people know from listening to Tales of the LGBTQ+. Um, so I'm building towards the confidence of having that conversation with him um, because our elders, the people who came before us who fought, uh, they mean everything. And so uh, to be recognized in the same vein a little bit, uh, just amazing. Um, Brian, Aaron, from I'm gonna speak on behalf of Claire and Erica. Um, we are so thankful that you've both joined us uh, with this journey. I didn't mean to do this more than past the month of June. And it was more just because I have some organization skills that can help Claire focus a little bit. Uh, no, now, we know we need Claire to focus. Yes. And that's what Erin's great for. Uh, Cause she can help that way. And we say that lovingly, we say that lovingly, but what's over there. What's over there. <laughs> I just want to try to keep her car organized. Oh, that car, that car. <laughs> and all the rainbow bags of clothes that she has in there. Uh, again, we say this lovingly. Um, yeah, it's just fantastic that both of you brought uh, been brought on because your jigsaw pieces that have been fit into this puzzle that is Pride Corner on white and it fits so perfectly. And for all of us not being activists, we're relying on each other to figure things out and I couldn't think of a better team. I just, ah. Aaron. Don't tell Brian, but I appreciate everything he's done. And I want your well. secret safe with me. Thank you. I just, want, I just want some tears from Brian. That's all. Um, so we're going to end this. He'll get it when the Leafs lose. Oh, so every I don't day. cry with that. I'm used to it. Yeah, every day. <laughs> every day for Brian. Uh, so we're going to come back in the future and talk more about Pride Corner on White. Uh, hopefully be able to have more specific conversations when it comes to the group, perhaps even some pre street preachers themselves. Um, we're always open to ideas and thoughts when it comes to this podcast. 
So we're going to live on location, Pride Corner. Yes, I'm, I would love to do that, but my my Pride music lists are always plugged in, so I can't. I, so I need somebody to plug in the music, so I'm able to uh, do some stuff down there. But that will come in the future. No problems there. Uh, so everyone, um, on behalf of Erica, Claire, Brian, and Aaron, my name is Douglas Parsons. You've been listening to Tales of the LGBTQ+. Thank you for listening. Hit subscribe. Leave a comment. Shout us out. It's all good. We appreciate you listening. There are more episodes to come. Matt Phillips from Northern Chicken is going to be upcoming, as well as an interview with Liz Messiah, who is an icon within the community, a strong woman who has helped build us from many years ago. So I'm looking forward to those conversations that will be coming up in the month of November, plus many more. Thank you, everyone, for listening, reminding you to be good and always text when you get home. Until next time, everybody.